Good morning. This is Brian Betts, your host. I'm with <laughs> Pastor Andy Littleton. Thank you so much for joining me this morning. Yeah, you got it. Um, interesting thing is, so Faith Over Breakfast is kind of based out of uh, conversations that my buddy Eric and I, Eric from a church called The Village in Tucson, Arizona, that we had during uh, breakfast conversations over about, I don't know, six months while we were on a radio show. So this, this is the, he's gone. He's on vacation. Eric's not here. Well-deserved so, vacation. Well-deserved sure. vacation. And so Brian, um, our our new and very capable host, and I are here. And that intro was just different because Eric's not here, and we decided we can do whatever we want. Yeah. And so there's yeah. nothing else holding us back. There's nothing holding us back. Eric always eats breakfast before he gets here, even though it's faith over breakfast. So we didn't eat breakfast before he got here. Yeah. We have our breakfast right here. I was like, waiting patiently for Eric uh, for Andy. I was about to criticize you, and then I called you Eric oh, because whoops. I'm exhausted. No, that's all good. Um, I like how I said my mistake was all good. Uh-huh. Uh, but, hmm. yeah, it's really nice to eat breakfast and talk at the same time. Uh, that's great. I've heard um, on podcasting forums that what the listeners want is to hear you eating. Uh, that, that's like a, a thing that... What's the new trend, guys? Like Just going down to town yeah. on some eggs... And mm-hmm. bread, yeah, yeah. You've got you got you got an egg and two slices of bread, which is <laughs> solid breakfast. Yeah. I got a sandwich and uh, and I got a cortado. We're at Exo Coffee, by the way. We're in Tucson, Arizona, and Tucson is uh, is yeah. What is what is our new title? UNESCO um, uh, Gastronomy City of World City of Gastronomy here in Tucson. That sounds you, incredible, and I did not know you that. You didn't know that? Yeah. We, I, from my personal experience, I've just noticed that there's a lot of amazing places in Tucson, independent places, mm-hmm. coffee shops, markets, uh, just great eateries uh, that I love uh, and that makes Tucson great. And Exo Coffee is one of them. Yeah. Um, yeah. They, they don't have regular bacon, which I was surprised about. Yeah. Well, here's the thing. So that, that, that whole... Um, distinction that we have has to do with all of the native foods and the unique the unique foods that you'll find here that it re- there really is like a, an amazing array of excellent food in the Tucson area and that's no joke for the, somebody who's grown up here I can I can attest to that Exo coffee this is this is a, a newer place in the in the Tucson landscape and they haven't been serving food for that long but what I will say is they they do like native local ingredients, so so they're not going to just have everything, you know, in stock. They have fresh stuff. I mean, I think the guy who's down there making food also is like a he he's like a farm to table guy here in Tucson who helps other businesses get fresh food. We've got mesquite beans. You hear that? Hear that? Yep. Yeah, on our table. Just we're for sitting, aesthetic. We're sitting up in the loft. Well, I don't I don't think it is for aesthetic. Just well, simply because. Here at EXO, they harvest mesquite beans. They have a mesquite coffee. Oh, that's they, incredible. They've um, maybe a pastry. So they utilize these crazy desert beans that most people in the Tucson area just consider a hassle that are in their yard, and they eat them. And at, here at EXO, you know, they, they don't waste them. They put them to use. And they're actually really good. I've had mesquite pancakes here in Tucson, and I will say our goats love mesquite beans so maybe we should listen to our goats well next time I'll definitely uh, try it so I can kind of give people a proper review of the mesquite beans I'm sure it's going to be incredible because everything that I've had so far has been terrific here yeah but more I was saying more the aesthetic of the mesquite beans for uh, it's for us and yes. they use it like the way that it's meant to be Yes, so, we, sh- we should clarify. We're up in the loft. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so Exo Coffee, there's a there's a loft here in the back they let us use for this podcast. We're really grateful. We just want to say thank you to Doug and Amy and the crew here at Exo for being hospitable to us, making great food, just being an awesome place here in our community. And um, they don't just put mesquite beans all over the tables. Okay, it's up here in the loft because they're working on projects. But thank you for, for your business and everything you do. And uh, we just appreciate you guys. And thanks for letting us podcast here. 
and uh, yeah, and have our little space yeah up top here where the where there's not so much noise because we did some old recordings, Eric and I. We tried to do Faith yeah. Over Breakfast in other restaurants, and yeah, there was a lot of background noise. It was a bad idea. Yeah, but good conversations we missed out on because of it too. Yeah, the but, world missed out, and, yeah. I'm, and we're all very sorry. But, but we're well, going to have other conversations that are incredible. But yeah, today, yeah, yeah. and today, we do not have Pastor Eric Seepin. No. And something that we will do with Pastor Eric Seepin when the time comes is talk to him about who he is and uh, how he got into ministry and how he got to where he is today. Mm-hmm. And since we have Andy here, and it just him and I, I am hoping to get to the bottom of who he is today. Oh boy. I know. This could be new for me. Exactly. Mm -hmm. It'll be very (laughs) critical. It's going to be very difficult. No. Uh, We're going to find out who you are. So, Andy, where were you born? Yeah. I was born in Corvallis, Oregon, um, which was, uh, we lived in a small town called Lebanon, Oregon, up on a hill. Um, We had blackberry bushes. We had a goat back then when I was a kid. And, uh... Yeah, uh, so I was born in a small town. My dad was in the lumber industry in Oregon. My mom owned a small bookstore with her friend. And, uh, yeah, we were small town folk. And then we were there about six years before. Now, are you ready for this to get interesting? You're I'm, go. So, I'm so ready. Oh, okay, well. I think it's interesting now. It's already interesting? Yeah, of course. So, uh, yeah, about when I was about six... My parents had a lifelong dream. My dad had been reading Peter Jenkins' books on walking. Uh, so I don't know if you've ever heard of Walk Across America mm-hmm. or any of that. So yes. he'd been reading that kind of stuff. So he wanted to he wanted to walk across America. My mom wasn't quite ready for that, the walking. But she was ready for the Across America, I guess. And so she wanted to see more of the country. And um, so they decided that, you know, while while I was young and, you know, before I went into grade school and things got more complicated, I I suppose, that they wanted to travel the United States. And so they sold our property and bought a motorhome, a jamboree. And the plan was to travel all 50 states, live in each state for a little while, and experience life there, and then decide where to live after that. And so they bought the motorhome, set off. Well, this journey proved to be a little more difficult than expected, um, because there wasn't like a big savings for this, okay? There was, it was like, we're going to get a job in California, and live there for a little while, and then we'll move, then we'll go to the next state, and the next state, and the next state. So we did, you know, Oregon Coast, Washington, California, I feel like we did Nevada, you know, we got down to Arizona, um, and my mom wasn't feeling so good, had to have some surgery. We got a big bill from the hospital, and we were staying on my aunt's property here in Tucson, Arizona. She had some, some property. There was some family in the, in the, in the area. That's nice. And um, decided maybe we'd better pay this bill off and just wait a little while. And guess what? We never left. That's how I ended up in Tucson. So we did not travel all of the United States. <laughs> we we got through a few states. And, you saw uh, and we quite a bit. There's a lot to see in those places, too. Yeah. What was your favorite, if you can remember, all the way back then? Yeah, I was pretty young. Um, I mean, I have little memories. My dad got a job for Ocean Spray Cranberries in Washington, and so he harvested cranberries out of the cranberry bogs. And I feel like it was up in Oregon. He got a job harvesting oysters, which terrified me because he had to go out in the the ocean on a raft and he didn't know how to swim so that terrified me um but it's you know i I don't remember a ton about the little towns i have snippets of memories um i feel like my memories of being in california were kind of boring like not just like the wow california life but more like my dad worked he loaded trucks and so i vaguely remember that um I remember being in a huge storm on a bridge, a very big bridge in our motorhome, and I was sure we were going to die because we were driving this big motorhome, the wind was blowing, the bridge was moving, one of those deals, and I was like, we're going to die. This is, (laughs) my life is over. Thanks a lot, Mom and Dad. 
Um, so yeah, little little stuff like that. And then I remember, you know, sadly, we when we showed up in Tucson, it was super hot. And so Tucson gets really hot. We broke a record yesterday yeah. for the date, and we we went over 115 for what the sixth time in our history, in our recorded history. Yeah. Um, all I can say is thank goodness we don't live in Phoenix. Yeah, because that was 120. 120 degrees in Phoenix, Arizona. 50 fl- over fl- 50 flights canceled? Fit flights canceled for heat. Because their running, yeah. uh, maximum running temperature is 118 degrees. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, which is Unbelievable. less than 120. <laughs> so so we, we showed up in Tucson in the summer. And we're, you know, we're from the Pacific Northwest. And... All we had was a motorhome, no car. So we parked it and lived in it, and we're taking the bus and walking around. And I just remember my parents just essentially being like, this is the worst place in the world, right? And so our arrival in Tucson wasn't this like, hey, what a great, oh, this must be a uh, UNESCO uh, city of gastronomy. <laughs> you know, how great is this? We showed up here and we're like, like, we've read about hell in the Bible, right? Yeah. It might be. This might be it. Like, we're close. Like, this is horrible. And um, so, sadly, like, that and some other things, when my parents showed up here, they kind of failed. Like, in a way. Like, they'd set out on this great adventure. They were going to see the world and or the states and, and all this. And and it didn't work. And, uh, and they had debt. And it was hot. And they didn't want to live on my aunt's property. That wasn't the plan plan was to go travel around and buy a place and and then it turned out it, it it blew up and we lost all our money and had a motorhome that depreciated in value that nobody wanted right it's like yeah it the the state of my family getting here was one of failure how did your parents response impact you how well i know i'm sure that was incredibly difficult mm-hmm. Uh, for them to, because they also want to set an example for you, right? But also, what a terrible situation to be in, and not be accustomed to the heat. Oh yeah, and uh, knowing really nobody other than my aunt. Yeah, yeah. It's um, it it was hard for them, and I you know I look back and I, you know, what would I do with that? Like I had this great idea, it seemed like it was going to be so fun and seemed like I would get to write the next, you know, travel across America book or whatever. And it turned out, no, nobody's going to read this book, actually. <laughs> like, we're, the book we're writing is what not to do and how to lose all your money, you know. And, uh, it, yeah, it was hard. My parents, you know, didn't, like, just, you know, do it well. Like, they were, they were kind of frustrated. And so my dad... He always he worked in lumber in Oregon, which was a great industry. You know what, what? What do you do with lumber in Tucson, Arizona? You know the lumber we have is uh, saguaro cactuses that are illegal to cut down. <laughs> you know, you know, there's no there aren't lumber mills around here, yeah. and so he got he he did some day labor sort of work at first, which was you know very humbling, and then ended up working at, at a good old standby Grant Road Lumber here, but it paid a fraction of what he made in Oregon. Yeah. And it was like, you know, he's working with, with you know, immigrants and people who, who just, you know, don't have any options. And he's going, oh shoot, like, this is, I don't have options here. I had and back, you know, because he'd been in lumber his whole life. He knew what he was doing with that. But here, he didn't. He didn't have, he didn't have options. And my mom, um, you know, she'd owned her own business, and so she went and worked for one of the public school systems in the library, and that was okay. And, but, but overall, life was hard. Um, we ended up, we, for actually up until a few years ago, we were mobile home dwellers. I mean, my, my parents, um, they bought their first home in their 70s. In their, in their 70s, they bought their first house. Um, but they, that, that whole hit and not having the education and everything was, was hard. We lived in pretty dumpy mobile home parks in Tucson. I mean, yeah, some of my memories... Uh, of, of being here were you know waking up in the middle of the night because our two neighbors were out just bashing um, you know alcohol bottles over each other and yelling and screaming yeah. and, uh, and me being afraid and not knowing what to do with that and you know being ashamed of my home and where I lived and 
so because we didn't grow up in this like cycle of poverty situation this was like a shocking we were just dropped into this yeah and so um it was so different for us and we were there for a while like in that situation for a while um and it was it was hard it was confusing um my parents they really wanted me to go to a good school so they like put me in little better schools and put some of their very little money there but then that also meant like I was around a bunch of really wealthy people at school and so I just didn't tell anybody where I lived I lied about where I got my clothes um just tried to you know just kind of act like that wasn't our life and so it was like a big deal if I let a friend see where I lived it's like I trusted them a lot and sometimes I felt like that kind of backfired on me because then they would come over and be like oh like what you know like this is your house um or make try to make light of it you know and one (laughs) one for it it was kind of funny and he was ragging on me too this is when I was in high school but he just was like hey where's the steering wheel you know like where (laughs) I think I hit him I was like but that was like there was a deep wound there for me because I was afraid that yeah. that would be the first thing somebody noticed when they came over and picked me up or whatever it was that I lived in this you know dumpy little mobile home did that define you in quite a yeah yes like big time I mean and this is like I mean we're talking up until so I'm 34 now I mean mid mid 20s for me mid to late 20s um, I was doing some some kind of counseling work I'd been through some really hard stuff and this issue this very issue came up and uh, so Eric's dad Eric or Eric Seepin who's not here his dad is a counselor in town and he he keyed in on this with me in a, at a men's retreat and he uh, he said something to the degree of like you know for, actually he pulled me aside outside of the retreat and he said you got a chip on your shoulder toward the wealthy and I said, I don't know, you know, and he's like, no. And, and it was cool because he said, Andy, I have it too. And I see it. And, uh, and you're going to have to face this. Um, now, hold on. Quick, quick note. In our podcast, we have a sound, a sound bite. It's a train. <laughs> and it means that Brian has a thought. See, do you, I just hit the button. You yeah. hear it? Yep. You hear that train exactly. going by? Every time that I'm about to speak, a train happens, and you miss the wonderful wisdom that I wanted to give you. And unfortunately, we just missed it. But uh, I'm sure it'll come back to me. Mm-hmm. One time earlier, right before the podcast, it was very, very long uh, train sound the entire time, and it lasted for like a few minutes. And afterwards, that it, it basically an entire. I could have said my entire testimony in the midst of it so that was always a joke whenever a train happens I just shared probably the most profound thing God has yeah. ever taught me and nobody and it, heard it nobody heard it oh, well. <laughs> the truth is I just wanted to take a bite of my sandwich Brian I know I know I, I noticed that and I'm so sorry we don't because <laughs> when if I, I I can usually just okay I'll pass it off to, to Eric. Eric and give <laughs> Andy yeah. room to uh, enjoy his delicious meal. This is where faith over breakfast gets complicated. I know. when there's only two of you and you're talking and, you know, your sandwich is just, just saying, eat me, eat me, Yeah, eat for me. sure. Anyway. Um, but it tastes good? Oh, yeah, it's actually really good. Okay, that's good. I'm I'll sorry. get I'll get back yeah, to that. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I got a bite. I'm, <laughs> you know, it's leaving me wanting more. I like yeah. it. Like oh, that. take another. Take another. It's okay. Oh, yeah, Before know, we really dive maybe into Maybe I will, because yeah. this is going to get real. Right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. My mm. food is delicious. I only got an egg and some barrio bread with some butter, and mm-hmm. it's amazing. Barrio bread's mm-hmm. a, a local staple in Tucson as well. Mm. And everywhere I go, uh, that like different markets, stuff like that, they're usually selling barrio bread, mm-hmm. and it's delicious every single time. Don at Barrio Bread, thank you for your business and hey, everything Don. you do. And, um, yeah, your bread's amazing, and we're, we appreciate it. Shout out right. to Don. Shout out to Don. We're, Shout out to Don. We're just shouting out. Yeah. Shout out to everybody. Shout out to Eric, who's yeah. gone on vacation. Yeah. Well-deserved rest. And uh, and shout out to his dad, John, who, you know, called me out on my issues. So here yeah. we go. So back into that. For sure. So uh, he has 
a an organization through Potter's Wheel. Did you actually go through counseling through Potter's Wheel? So his actually, so his organization's called um, Journey Companions. Journey Companions. Yeah, yeah. Okay. And um, then he has levels of what he does. So one level is called Learning to Love the Master, and that's where it's usually either men or women. Um, they work through their story, so they write their story. And they're engaging with God along the way. Where were, where was God? Where were you? Why did this occur? Um, what were you teaching me? Kind of interrogating their own story um, and asking God to reveal Himself in the midst of that, you know, guided by Scripture, yeah. inviting Him into it, and then allowing the other people in the group to inquire into that as well. So that's learning of the Master. They they do counseling. They do private counseling. Um, and then Potter's Wheel is kind of another level above that where essentially you you learn to really walk with other people. So you're, um, you're engaging with them. They'll bring up an event or something that's going on, and then you are working with, with a group. So those people can ask you questions and give, give thoughts, and then one person's the emphasis, and then... The, the wheel turns, and another person is the gotcha, is the okay. emphasis, and you kind of learn how to pursue each other um, and seek seek God together through this. And, and they're they're really incredible resources. Um, John and Patty Seepin have been a gift to our community, no doubt. Obviously, they're uh, they've left their son to uh, to lead a church here and, yeah. and other things. So, John and Patty have yeah they've they've been amazing, and so. This was a learning to love the master retreat, is what it was. And some little stuff in my story triggered John to say, you have a real chip on your shoulder toward the wealthy. And the interesting thing is that I was working at probably the wealthy church in Tucson. And I, um, and this is, now we're getting all the, the probably the further questions are all getting uh, tied in here. But I, um, I'll just say quickly, I didn't want to work there. Um, it was the job I didn't want. And I got it. And I tried to not take it, and it was a very interesting situation. But I, I worked at this wealthy church, but I had a chip on my shoulder. And John brought that up, and then he, later on, when we were all together with some of the other men, he, he brought it back up with with all of them. And the thing that hit me like a ton of bricks I didn't expect is he said, Andy, if God made you and called you to be known as trailer trash for the rest of your life would you follow him or would that be where you'd said no I won't I won't go with you and I didn't know it hit me I didn't think this was that big of a deal but all of a sudden I thought I realized I've been fighting being viewed as trailer trash my whole life and I really don't want to do that I I've been when I was in high school I worked a full-time job so I could have a nice car and so I could have nice clothes because I was sick of being, you yeah, know, trailer trash. For sure. And uh, and I was kind of, you know, my big goal was get off the dirt road, get out of the trailer, get a house that's attached to the ground, never look back, never speak of this again, you know. Um, and, uh, and so I'd been doing that, but then I had this disdain for people who had money. So if you were, I, I mentioned this at our, at our church a while back, I don't know if you were there for that one or not, but I... We were talking about unity, and I was talking yeah. about the things that disunify us. And so I was saying, look, you know, if if your parents bought you a car, I couldn't stand you. I thought you were weak. I despised you. You know, so I had this thing where, like, I wanted nice things, but then when people were handed them because they had a good life and their parents made good decisions, boy, I hated it. I was so angry. And so, so it alienated me from all kinds of relationships um, because... Just, just this jealousy and anger and, and so I couldn't you know I couldn't just appreciate somebody who, who had more material resource than me and then I was just driven to to be wealthy and you know and I wouldn't have called it that but, but really that's kind of what it was um, so when John brought that up I, I'm, I struggle with emotion I'm not a you know tapping into emotion isn't my everyday experience but I just fell apart. The thought that God might want me to be viewed as trailer trash for the rest of my life, that thought just destroyed me. I, I wept. I was angry. It was like fear, terror, anger, confusion, panic, all in one. 
and I had never felt that flood before, and I realized this is a big deal. And John kind of kind of looked over and he said, this is a spiritual issue for you, something to that effect. Like, will you will you walk with God if he calls you there, or, or is this as far as it goes? Or is your allegiance given to someone else? And he said, you know, and for those of you listening who, you know, maybe you you struggle with kind of connecting the spiritual dots or whatever. I know this, this might sound fantastic, but he said something to the degree of, you know, I think you made a deal with the devil. And the truth is like somewhere, somewhere in my life, I made a, this conscious decision. I will never be viewed as trailer trash. And what he was suggesting was that that was, that was based, that was a spiritual decision I made. It wasn't just a, Oh, I don't want to be looked at this way. It was, it was a spiritual decision where I said, you know, to to myself, I thought, but that there was a, there was a spiritual element to this. Like, I will only follow God in certain situations, not all. I'll follow Him if He gives me money. I'll follow Him if He takes me away from here. I'll follow Him if my reputation isn't that of a of a poor guy. And uh, and and John was suggesting that that was actually a spiritual dark influence in my life um, encouraging me to do something that would actually put me in in a place of bondage it would cause shame and damage and he was absolutely right that had been the thing that had made me feel shame, it had damaged me, it had alienated me from God and other people and somehow in that moment I realized this is killing me like this is the inner thing that's killing me and it's not just about trailers and it's not just about cars this is about God. And so he said, would you, could you pray right now and, and give your life to God in this way of saying, God, if you want me to be viewed as trailer trash for the rest of my life, I'll follow after you. And I thought, I can't. But then there was this other thought in me that was like, if I don't do this, then I have no interest in following Jesus. And I said, I'll try. And I prayed that prayer and just, you know, stammering, like, here I am. I was, I was in ministry, right? I'm, <laughs> I'm like this pretty, I'm this guy. I get up and I talk about the Bible and teach it. And, hey, here's what the Greek word means, guys. And then here I am, you know, falling apart at the thought of saying, I'll be viewed as trailer trash God if that's what you want. And I just, I mean, I'm slobbery snot weeping mess trying to say that and but I I did and I think God helped me see that and John was used by God to help and the other men who were there were supporting and it was this great picture of community and God and spiritual leadership all happening on my behalf and you know I know they were praying for me and have prayed for me and a lot of those guys walked with me for years through that and would ask me about it and um, it was just a key moment. It, it dawned on me, hey, I'm talking about this on a podcast that who knows who will listen to it. We don't have this huge audience, but this, I would not have done this. Yeah. this I would not have wanted to have this conversation. And then we did a video for our church a couple of years ago that included a little bit of my story. And there's just a brief moment of me kind of in a trailer park talking about that. And I, re- I remember thinking when we were doing that, I just remember thinking, God, this might seem like nothing to other people, but I know, like, you you saved me from my allegiance to my sin, and you saved me from my allegiance to being deceived because I'm letting this be known, um, which is what you asked me to do, um, for whatever reason, you know, whatever reason it is. Because, gosh, I would have wanted to be the pastor that people looked at just because of this journey that people went, wow, Andy, you're, you're put together, you're educated, you know what you're talking about. Doing this feels like the opposite. Yeah. Saying, hey, everybody, guess what? I grew up in an uneducated family who failed, and we, and we lived in the trailer parks for a good chunk of my life. And, uh, and so, therefore, when my college fund was cashed out at the bank, it was two dollars and fifty cents. And so I took that to McDonald's, bought a burger and said, Well there's my there was my college fund. And I went and worked at a car stereo shop and then God 
just hounded me and didn't leave me alone, and I ended up coming into ministry. But but guess what, everybody? There's my credentials. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I've got. Um, you know, I, know, I wouldn't have let it happen. And so, interestingly, for me to follow Jesus, that's been a huge piece, is letting that happen. Did that make it easier? We talked about transparency last week with leadership. Yeah. Uh, going through that, was it easier to be in a place where, like, you could be just completely open about, like, not just this struggle, mm-hmm. definitely this struggle, but other struggles as well? Sorry, I took another bite no, of you delicious de- you deserve it. You, you've been... <laughs> it was great. ...going to town. Um, absolutely. And I think that's the interesting thing is... What I've noticed, and, I, and now I see it in Scripture too, it's not like God would show up in somebody's life and just, just say to them, hey, here's the list. 7,500 things that are wrong with you and that you do wrong and ways in which you don't worship me and ways in which you don't love others and um, you know I'd like you to stop all those things and start doing the right things you know (laughs) that's not how it goes yeah Um, and what I see over and over and what I've seen in my life and I see in the lives of others and in the Bible is this that God will enter in one thing at a time expose something in our hearts that that proves to be what we would call sin which doesn't mean oh it's the most ugly heinous and horrific thing because my my story could have led me to be very hardworking and very wealthy which many in our culture would view as a great motivation yeah true true but but the truth is that it was to God it was a refusal yeah and so we would call that sin and so he, he exposed that one thing in me and kind of the, the invitation. Well, that must mean I'm making a good point. That's, that's Brian's cool uh, sound effect. Yeah, whenever so. he's about to make an inspirational point, yeah. my phone goes off. I apologize about that. No worries. No, um, it, seems like, it seems as if God tackles one thing at a time in our lives. And, and I think you'd notice this if you're, if you're a believer in God and, and, and you walk with him or you're, or you're not it's like one thing at a time in your life I mean, sometimes there's, there's just a, a tsunami of things but a lot of times there's, there'll be this one big thing that's exposed in you I'm afraid of death I'm you know I, I've lost my job who am I right like I've been rejected what does that mean about me one thing at a time that brings up the big questions and brings up the big fears and that the, the invitation from God in those moments is not just like, hey, look at your whole life and get everything together. It's, do you see who you, do you see who you really are here? Do you see the brokenness here? And then there's this invitation to follow after me. And, and the amazing thing about, about the way that God does that is he, he isn't looking at you. He didn't look at me that day, I believe, from Scripture and experience. He didn't look at me and say, come on, Andy, quit refusing to follow me and just get it right. You know, what what the, the message was, was, Andy, when I came to earth and I bore the scorn and I bore the shame and people looked at me and saw me as an unqualified savior, I was entering in, I was being strong, and I was bearing your burdens for you. And then I rose from the dead, I defeated death, I defeated shame, I defeated guilt, I defeated your spiritual enemy, I defeated the darkness, so that when you give over to it, I can forgive you. That your sin can be put on my back, because I was strong enough to carry it, and I entered it on your behalf. So, you know, Jesus is kind of is kind of saying, like, you do need to change, but I'm going to carry you there. I'm going to give you the power, I'm going to give you the possibility, because of what I've done. And so, so yes, to your, to your question, that one thing was huge for me, and it was an invitation from God. And, and, it, and then learning to trust him in that, to, to walk into that, and then start to be honest with people about my story, taught me I could trust him next time. And it has not stopped. I know, and and uh, some, 
if, if there's a Christian out there who's ever been told that, that walking with Jesus is like an easy thing that you start doing and you feel better, I'm sorry to burst your bubble. It's not. Because um, he's going to invite you to continually lay down your life. Because yeah. that's what Jesus did himself. He, he laid down his life. That's the way he served. That's the way he loved his father. That's the way he loved us. And so he calls us to walk in the same way. So if we're going to love other people and we're going to love God, it's going to be a laying down of ourselves. And it leads to ultimate joy. Yeah. It really does free yeah. you, right? But um, but so, yeah, ever since then, it's just been, I thought, oh, I, I got over my big hurdle. Nope. Yeah. <laughs> there was another one and another one and another one. And, you know, even, gosh, in the last couple weeks, you know, there have been things that just have come front and center and actually... Man, not even the last couple weeks. Last night, I seriously laid down in bed, and we'd watched too much television. But I had, I had made this this kind of resolve on our little trip that we were. I was gonna not watch television up until bedtime, but I was gonna spend more time with my wife, talking with her, praying with her before we went to bed, make that time intentional. And it dawned on me last night when I laid down. A one week later, I'm not doing it. What's wrong with me? You know. So here I am, like. You know, thirty-four, not that old, but but the the call to follow Jesus and to lay things down has not diminished. It's gotten, it's becoming more particular. Yeah, and I'm starting to see the sin in everything I do, and you'd think that just would be depressing, but it it honestly is kind of, it's just true. <laughs> yeah, it's just uh, and. Yeah, it, it's a true it makes sense of my heart to say no this is I'm, I'm completely self-reliant and so often I do damage and it, and it brings me back to asking Jesus to forgive me asking other people to have mercy on me and so yeah it continues for sure so <laughs> that was a key moment but it continues awesome I I want to give you some time to munch on it I'll just, I don't like to talk too much because I hate hearing myself talk. And if I want to, like, listen in to it, because I love hearing you and I love hearing uh, Eric Seepin, uh share their thoughts um, about whatever we're talking about. But I want to give you, like I said, room <laughs> to talk. So I'll share a similar experience where uh, it wasn't um, uh, po- uh, poverty per se or being trailer trash or uh, whatever um, for me uh, and, and this w- happened uh, within the past couple of years I think it was uh, well 2012 2013 uh, I maybe it was 2014 there's just so much that that's happened in all those past years um, I've been a Christian uh, ever since I was really young and thankfully I, I didn't have a moment where I I strayed and I was like, you know, I'm not going to do the Jesus thing. Yeah. Nothing else made sense for me to do, but uh, part and I never felt thankfully entitled. I had a lot of people that kept me like thinking like just because you grew up in this, mm-hmm. you probably because a lot of times you can know a lot less than people who have experienced it for such a short amount of time. But I. I didn't fully grasp it in different ways. Like I, it's as if I forgot that confession and repentance was going to be something that do until like, and I'm going to toil until I die, and that uh, it would be a continuing ethic in my life. Um, and what, there, there, there are several moments where it was just epiphanies that like made me remember that. It, 2014, 2015, I was like, I, I just went through this last year where I was having this conversation of like, you know what, like I'm still in it. One of them was singleness. Yeah. Uh, my first girlfriend was in December mm-hmm. and I, I was, I was uh, 26 years old. Yeah. So I'm still 26 because my birthday's mm-hmm. November. And I wanted to get married when I was 18. Like me, too, I, me too, man. Yeah. That's I, what I thought just, I would do. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and now I'm 26, I'll be 27 in November. Uh, and it was a conversation that I had uh, around that time was like uh, it, am I still going to follow the Lord if he doesn't have someone for me yeah and hmm. 
it, it was definitely a worthwhile conversation to have and because um, we just never know but it was uh, there you go how was it oh it was great I yeah thanks for that space <laughs> of course of I course. was obviously hungry I, yeah. I finished the sandwich pretty quick yeah. anyway but, continue. Um, I'm just waiting for a train to pop up right before I make my point <laughs> yeah. no, but I have an amazing point to make just like yeah it, it was a conversation that I had to have as well that I continue to have every time I, that I just think like because I'll just remind myself um, of just all these things cause it's so evident of my uh, setbacks and my weaknesses and it can be really really overwhelming Yeah. but thankfully God's not harping on that and yeah. he just allows there to be freedom to fail and then we're he's uh, like I'm going to love you regardless and I'm going to carry you through this Yeah. and just hold fast to me and uh, my steadfast love and you're not going to have to uh, feel the burden of this yeah um, so that's an incredible encouragement thank you yeah oh yeah yeah and the interesting thing with, with stuff like like singleness is you know and then it, it can feel like God's keeping me from my heart's desire uh, which is how I felt in that in my situation I shared mm-hmm. and, and many others but you know the, the the truth that's continually worked out again in scripture and we see it in life experiences a couple people who are looking for their heart's desire get together and they get married right and then it turns out this person doesn't meet my heart's desire and there's just this huge letdown um, and there can't be you know and what what is truly deep and meaningful is when when your heart's desire is met in relationship to God and what can happen there is that then you can you could be single or you could be married, right? You you could go either way, but in both cases, if you're married, you your your heart is getting fed and filled from outside of, of yourself and outside of this person because the call to marriage is the call to die and to lay your life down for someone else. And so, if you're looking for your heart's fulfillment, but the call is to die, that's going to be a real struggle for you. But if you're if you can say even even that stammering, struggling. God, I will seek my fulfillment in you. I will return to you. I'll come back to you over and over again. Then you you have a resource to, to share with someone. And so you could be single and share that with your friends and your community. You could be married and share that in the community of family and children. Because then children come in, and what are they? They're little Yeah, well, no, I mean, but they're these no, little... Incredible blessings. Incredible yeah. blessings that, that require the death of you every single day, that, that yeah. you have to give your life to serve and care for them. And, and a good portion of their life, they won't have the wherewithal to, to return that to you. you. You teach them to do that, yeah. which demands a lot of you and demands that you have learned how to give your life so that when you teach them, they don't go, what, Dad? You don't do that. They have to look at you and say, ah, your words match your actions. You really do lay down your life. So when you tell me to lay down mine, you know, at least I can hear that and I can see it. And so the wisdom of God is so deep. I don't know what your journey will be. Yeah. yeah. You know, but, um, but it's, it's interesting that sometimes the very thing that we want the most is what God withholds. And I think that there's a lot of people angry with God. I think within the church, outside of the church, for this very reason, because like, why didn't, why don't you, why did you yeah. take this from me? Why didn't you give me what I wanted? Yeah, yeah. Especially when it's a you good know? desire, because that, oh, yeah. that was one of the thoughts. I was like, it was a God-given desire that's something to be like celebrated and yeah. be excited about the the uh, marriage, because that uh, what a great representation yeah. of the church, but uh, in the relationship with God, but. Um, yeah, so uh, th- that's what made it like even more difficult. And I was like, sometimes God doesn't give us what we want. Uh, and I had to experience that over and over again. I grew up poor too. Yeah. And uh, and and thankfully, uh, on that like aspect of it, I, I like I don't really like. Th- there'll be t- times where I'm like, I'll just have the nicest thing, and like not I I don't care. I'll, I'll go back and forth. Yeah. But thankfully, it hasn't marked my life in so many other ways that you know that yeah. I need to like call it didn't and, become a big theme exactly for, yeah. and, and like, which is true for other you know yeah. I've known other people that grew up in the trailer park and they're just like well fine whatever yeah, yeah. <laughs> I've got a condo now it's nice yeah yeah I've got yeah. a window 
Wakanda. <laughs> <That's not laughs> but sweet, sweet, dude, Windows man. But um, <laughs> dual pane and everything. Yeah, whoa, yeah, with blinds, with and blinds. curtains, and the, and they work. It was the blinds work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whoa, yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, I know, right? But um, yeah, it's it's interesting how um, like like with you know some of this like following Jesus as a single person can set you up to to either be married or not right yeah well similarly I mean in my situation with the being poor thing um, I'm not wealthy in compared to a a large swath of our community in world standards Mm -hmm. we all are but but it's dawned on me lately that I have been entrusted with more now than I maybe would have expected and so I think we've talked before on the podcast, like I'm a, I'm a small business owner. Um, and I think if I had become a small business owner, so I'm a pastor and a small business owner, those are two separate things. Yeah. My church is not a business. Um, but, it, you know, if I had been following the trajectory I was on, my business would have been all about me and making me look good and getting me money and making me not look like a failure. Right. Yeah. And, and I think that just would have been the poison that would have just made it whole. I mean, I probably would have, I don't know what kind of business practices would have come out of that demand that yeah, I had, right? For sure. And so, interestingly, like, I, I have these memories of my dad and having, you know, there was the, the wealthy business owner that didn't look out for the, for the employees. And, you know, I always wished, and he, my dad was a little bit, he would kind of complain about this, which was, was unfortunate, but... You know, I, I always wish somebody would just look out for my dad over themselves. You know, yeah. that the guy who who owned the business, who drove in in his nice Cadillac, and you know, my dad's car like is burning oil, and but my dad worked so hard to serve this company, and I just wished I wished that that owner would would like sacrifice a little bit of his own yeah. to take care of my dad. And I know how, and, oh, and the other guys that worked with him, you know, yeah. not just my dad. But it's like, all of a sudden, here I am, a small business owner, and going, whoa, now that's me. I'm that guy that, that that's my calling. And I have that incredible opportunity to pay that forward. Right. Yeah. And and it's hard, because and now I now I get the complexity on both sides, that those small business owners, they have a ton of bills, and they all this different stuff, and, you know, and, and they... Um, you know, I don't even know if they drove new Cadillacs. Now I realize Cadillacs depreciate so much. Maybe they bought the cheapest car on the market. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Um, so I kind of wonder, you know, if maybe I was too hard on them. But then at the same time, you know, there are opportunities for me where, you know, my wife and I have had these discussions recently of, is this business, is our main goal to move it toward a more profitable place for ourselves? Or is the main goal to care for our, our people? our employees and we only have a couple you know but but this journey that God's had me on I think he was preparing me to serve as a business owner instead of to try to demand that the business serve me yeah and that is such a different place and if he hadn't taken me through this painful journey of withholding what I wanted for so long I don't think I could have been ready for this so the withholding you know, and, and he could have. Interestingly, we don't live in a mobile home park. You know, but I that one day when I was weeping, I, I was like, "Oh shoot, he's <laughs> God is sending me back, right?" <laughs> yeah. And that could still happen. I'm only 34. You know, uh, it could happen. But at this point, we don't. Um, yeah. And and so it's like he he demanded that surrender. God did, I believe. And then in a way, like handed me something like of, of high responsibility and said kind of now that you have surrendered I want you to go and steward this well yeah. um, and then there's the realization that for other people when they surrender it he actually invites them right right in yeah, to the right middle of, and, yeah. and we I don't know like you know like yeah. and it could be taken from me I have no idea so it's it's just uh, it's interesting but I but I'm coming to believe more and more that He's doing good things, yeah. even and especially when he's demanding a lot from us. It's it's the kind of love that a good father gives. They withhold the thing that's killing their child. You know, the child wants you know ice cream every night, and they say no, not because they just hate the kid, but because they go, I don't want you to live a life 
addicted to sugar. Yeah. And, and I think I think God is in the kind of business of shaping us into the kind of people we ought to be and need to be, and that's a painful disciplinary life for us. But one day we'll look at Him and say thank you. So, one incredible conversation. Uh, thank you so much for sharing your story with that aspect of it. Yeah. And uh, there will be other times where uh, Pastor Eric won't be able to join us, and there will be times when Pastor Eric will be just me and him, and we'll be able to dive into his story too and dive more into what Andy's been through uh, and get to know him a little bit more how God has shaped his life. So thank you so much for uh, tuning in. Thank you so much for joining me for breakfast, Faith Over Breakfast. Yeah, you got it, man. Thank you. You need to finish your bread there. Or maybe. Yeah. Oh, I'm I'm going to. This is delicious. I just, I, at first, you hadn't had barely any of it. So I didn't want to be like, yeah, and just like, chomp it all into it. So, um, and also just like, yeah, sometimes it's loud and I wanted to make sure that I being intentional and listening so well thanks man well and thank you for sharing a little bit of your story in the midst of this and we'll have to you know yeah, the, t- the tables might turn we'll see yeah yeah yeah, yeah. The, the host might become the uh, interviewee here one of these days we'll see yeah I'm not going to listen to that podcast but uh, uh, maybe you need to <laughs> maybe this is one of your issues <laughs> hmm well uh, offline we'll talk about yeah, that yeah more. for sure well my, my voice just sounds weird to me that's all but uh, oh man you have no idea like I, I have all these recordings up online from the church, and I, it's just painful. Like, every, I think everyone hates their voice. If somebody out there loves their voice, like, wow, good for you, happy for you. I think most of us are a little bit thrown off. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, I feel. Yeah. Anyway, I, I understand, and uh, <laughs> I'm still baffled that people just you know pay me to talk because it's like you just you just inflict pain on yourself. You pay me yeah, to. I know. hey uh thanks for joining us for faith over breakfast brian thanks for hosting and uh exo coffee thanks for your your loft space we miss you eric hope you have a great vacation and we'll see you next week yep doing it again next week yeah looking forward to it all right have a good day